0: Hi, this is Sean Blackshear, life insurance broker for our First Family Life Allegiance. Did you know that life insurance not only will cover you if you pass away, but it's also used to build a legacy for your family. It can also help you generate income. It can protect your mortgage and it can cover you with any kind of medical affliction. Please contact me at 314-374-3412. Or please drop me a message on, on Facebook and like the page at First Family Life Allegiance. Or go to my website, firstfamilylifeallegiance.com and schedule an appointment and I'll call you at a time that works for you.
1: Welcome to Title Seven: The Movement, Hashtag The Right to Sue. The podcast that speaks of the specific world world subject of employment as it pertains to workplace discrimination and its defender, the controversial Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I'm Paige. And I'm Griffin.
0: We'd like to ask you to please subscribe to this podcast and make sure you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: The Seventh Amendment of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Title VII, covers both state and federal laws prohibiting employment discrimination, outlining five major protected classes, race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. The commission's vocation is to function as a national law firm working collaboratively to maximize its impact on employment discrimination, working to obtain justice for victims of discrimination by resolving lawsuits brought on behalf of groups of individuals or even one person. I myself haven't been one such a person. The professed mission of the EEOC's Office of General Counsel, OGC, is to conduct litigation on behalf of the Commission to obtain relief for victims of employment discrimination and ensure compliance with the statutes that EEOC is charged with enforcing. The topic is workplace discrimination. In reference to a black employee subject to racist language and images, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission charged in a lawsuit that a moving company violated federal law by subjecting an African-American employee to racial harassment and forcing him to quit to escape the abuse. In its suit, the EEOC charges that a supervisor frequently made comments such as white power. If you're not white, you're not right and used the N-word to refer to an African-American employee. The supervisor also told the employee to get out of a room because they were having a Ku Klux Klan meeting. A troll doll was even painted black, with the post attached to the troll doll with the employee's name on it. And the doll was hung in the middle of the facility. The EEOC says that despite the employee's complaint about the troll doll, the company failed to take adequate action. This misconduct created an unlawfully hostile work environment for the employee, forcing him to resign to escape further mistreatment. In the case of Page versus AE or Page versus LS, the defendant did not remember referring to me being Page, using the N-word. When questioned by human resources, they stated that they didn't remember using the N-word referencing me. And so Human Resources took the position and the stand, as it was quoted to me. She probably doesn't remember because she uses it so often. Such
0: alleged conduct violates Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits employment discrimination based on race, including racial harassment. The EEOC filed suit in U.S. District Court for the District of Arizona after first attempting to reach a voluntary settlement through its conciliation process. In this case, with the moving company, the lawsuit asked the court to order the company to provide the employee appropriate relief, including back wages, compensatory and punitive damages, and a permanent injunction, an authoritative warning or order that restrains a person or company from beginning or continuing an action threatening or invading the legal right of another, or that compels a person or company to carry out a certain act, example, to make restitution to an injured party, enjoining or prohibiting the company from engaging in any further racial discriminatory practices. The EEOC also asked the court to order the company to institute and carry out policies and practices that will eradicate and prevent racial harassment there in the future. Racial harassment is never acceptable in any workplace, said regional attorney Mary Jo O'Neill of the EEOC's Phoenix District Office.
1: In this case, EEOC charged major retail chains personality tests adversely impacted applicants based on race and national origin. The Equal Opportunity Commission and Best Buy, a nationwide electronics retailer based in Richfield, Minnesota, reached a conciliation agreement to resolve charges of race and national origin discrimination raised by a former EEOC commissioner. Following a lengthy investigation, the EEOC found it probable that the company, through use of personality tests assessments during the application process, adversely impacted applicants based on race and national origin. The EEOC argued that such test assessments, therefore, violated Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, To demonstrate its support of Title VII without admitting liability, the company stopped using the problematic assessments after receiving the charge of discrimination.
0: Because of the EEOC's investigation without litigation, Best Buy agreed to implement many best practices nationally, such as modifying its hiring process, adding staff to recruit and monitor the hiring of minorities, creating comprehensive in-house training modules for hiring managers and forming regional diversity and inclusion committees where employees in the field and at the corporate level are empowered to address and prevent barriers to equal employment. It was also determined that Best Buy will also conduct regular evaluations of its hiring performance and submit regular reports to the EEOC for several years. Jamie Williamson, director of the EEOC's Philadelphia District, of which Cleveland is a part, reported that the agreement was a major step forward in addressing the EEOC's focus on class barriers in the recruitment and hiring of qualified persons. Cleveland's field office director added, So-called personality tests are unacceptable if they have the effect of screening out people because of their race or national origin
1: as you can see in these cases there are many aspects and different formulas that are used in reference to discrimination in the workplace dismissal denied in the eeoc race discrimination action against a particular security company this is the c4 synopsis in this particular case a federal district court in maryland denied in part an employer's motion to dismiss a race discrimination action brought on behalf of an african Security guard by the EEOC, and instead they granted the EEOC's motion to stay so that the commission could amend its deficit pursuit letters of determination that were the subject of the employer's motion to dismiss. This is an important ruling for employers facing systematic EEOC actions, particularly regarding the strategy to challenge whether the EEOC has satisfied its Title 7 pre-suit obligations. This is a case background. The EEOC alleged that MVM subjected a group of African-born employees to national origin discrimination consisting of a hostile work environment and unlawful retaliation. In October of 2013, MVM hired a new project manager to oversee 400 security personnel, approximately half of whom were African or foreign-born blacks. Within weeks of his hire, the project manager allegedly began complaining that there were too many Africans on the contract, that he could not be comfortable working with foreigners of whose accents he couldn't understand. During the project manager's tenure, MVE also allegedly engaged in a variety of negative actions against African and foreign-born black security personnel, including denying them leave, forcing them to work on their scheduled days off, forcing them to work extra hours beyond their scheduled shifts, assigning them to undesirable posts, subjecting them to heightened scrutiny, disciplining them more harshly than called for by its discipline policy, intimidating and threatening them with termination and denying them union representation so as to facilitate the imposition of discipline, suspensions, and termination without cause.
0: Nine terminated employees filed charges with the EEOC. After the EEOC investigated the charging party's complaints, it issued Letters of Determination (LODs). Finding that there was reasonable cause to believe MVM had violated Title VII by discriminating against the charging parties through unequal terms, conditions, and privileges of employment because of national origin. And or had retaliated against the charging parties for engaging in protected activity. Following unsuccessful conciliation, the EEOC brought suit on behalf of the charging parties and a group of alleged aggrieved individuals, amended the complaint alleged five counts of violations of Title VII, consisting of a pattern or practice of discriminatory treatment based on national origin, desperate terms and conditions of employment based on national origin, a hostile work environment based on national origin, discharged and constructive discharge based on national origin, and unlawful retaliation. In its motion to dismiss, MVM primarily argued that the amended complaint contained claims of desperate treatment on behalf of a group of aggrieved individuals, including claims of discriminatory termination and constructive discharge, which went beyond the scope of underlying LODs.
1: MVM also argued discrimination based on perceived national origin was not cognizable, clearly identifiable, that certain allegations in the amended complaint were based on incidents that do not rise to the level of adverse employment actions, that the EEOC failed to state a plausible, reasonable, or probable claim for constructive discharge, and that the EEOC failed to state a plausible claim of retaliation arising from the termination of one employee. In its motion to stay, the EEOC requested that the court stay the proceedings for 45 days to afford it an opportunity to omit its LODs and engage in conciliation efforts based on the amended LODs.
0: The court granted the EEOC's motion to stay and denied most of MVM's motion to dismiss. First, in addressing the EEOC's motion to stay, the court noted that in the absence of a stay, either the court would have to engage in detailed fact-based analysis of the adequacy of the LODs or the EEOC would dismiss and refile the case. In support of staying the case, the court noted that its conclusion was supported by the mock mining versus EEOC. In this case, specifically the court held that in regards to MVM's rigid position, the EEOC may have only one opportunity to provide notice of charges through its LOD was inconsistent with mock mining, to allow additional opportunities to provide notice of charges and engage in conciliation, precisely the steps that the EEOC sought to accomplish through its proposed stay. Accordingly, the court granted the EEOC's motion to stay. If the EEOC decides that there is probable cause to believe that there was discrimination, both parties are issued a letter of determination advising that there is reason to think that discrimination happened. This letter of determination says that the employee and the employer can come to the agency to try to settle the charge through a process known as conciliation. Next, Having granted the motion to stay in order to permit the EOC to amend the LODs, the court held that MVM's request for dismissal of claims that were not specifically identified in the LODs, such as discriminatory termination, was now having little or no practical relevance. MVM's motion to dismiss claims alleging discrimination on the basis of perceived national origin. The court likewise denied MVM's motion, holding that to conclude otherwise would be to allow discrimination to go unchecked where the perpetrator is too ignorant to understand the difference between individuals from different countries or regions and to provide causes of action against only those knowledgeable enough to target only those from the specific country against which they harbor discriminatory, animus, hostility or ill feelings.
1: The court then addressed MVM's motion to dismiss any disparate treatment claims based on allegedly discriminatory actions other than suspension or termination. MVM asserted that any freestanding claims of disparate treatment and other specific matters, such as denying leave of African employees, forcing them to work on their scheduled days off or assigning them to undesirable posts necessarily failed because those actions did not constitute at first employment actions for purposes of Title VII. The EEOC argued that it was making no such discrete, individually separate, or distinct claims, but rather that the various discriminatory acts, short of suspension and termination, that were referenced in the amended complaint were offered collectively to establish a hostile work environment. The court rejected the EEOC's argument and granted MVM's motion to dismiss the National Origin Desperate Treatment Claim, noting that hostile work environment discriminatory termination and retaliation claims were separately pleaded in other courts. The court also denied MVM's motion to dismiss constructive discharge and retaliation claims, holding that the EEOC plausibly stated claims for both. Accordingly, the court denied in part and granted in part MVM's motion to dismiss and granted the EEOC's motion to stay. The implications
0: for employers since the U.S. Supreme Court issued its decision in the mock mining case, whether the EEOC fulfilled its pre-suit obligations under Title VII has become a major area of focus for employers in EEOC lawsuits. Although the court generally acknowledged that the letter of determinations were deficient, it avoided closely scrutinizing these pre-suit letters and allowed the EOC to amend any deficiencies. Accordingly, while employers should not let one district court's opinion deter them from challenging whether the EEOC fulfilled its pre-suit obligations, they should be cognizant that some courts will be more forgiving in allowing the EEOC to revisit failures to meet these obligations, as opposed to outright dismissing EEOC lawsuits.
1: In the citing of another case, we find that the owner frequently used racial slurs and forced out the manager who opposed hiring discrimination. The EEOC charged a Buffalo, New York staffing company in Buffalo that places employees with clients throughout the Western New York district with violations of federal laws prohibiting hiring discrimination. According to this complaint, the EEOC contends that the staffing company either refused to hire highly qualified black applicants or placed them in the lowest paying rate, the least desirable jobs. EEOC alleged that staffing company's owners regularly referred to black applicants using the N-word, instructed their staff to comply with clients' race and sexual preferences. According to the complaint, EEOC alleged that the staffing company's owner regularly referred to black applicants using the N-word, instructed her staff to comply with clients' race and sex preferences, placed employees in positions based on race and sex, and rejected pregnant applicants. Additionally, the complaint alleges that applicants over the age of 50, applicants with disabilities, and those whom the company deemed disabled, were routinely rejected by staffing solutions. EEOC contends that applicants, when properly asked for their date of birth, and about injuries and medical conditions and that the staffing company rejected applicants considered too old and those who revealed health issues such as cancer, blindness or back injuries.
0: Finally, the EEOC charged that an office manager for the company complained about the illegal hiring practices and voiced objections to the owner's repeated use of racial slurs, but was warned that she would be fired if she failed to comply. The office manager felt she had no choice but to resign. The company's alleged hiring practices violated Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the Age Discrimination in Employment Act, which prohibits discrimination on the basis of age, disability, race, or sex, as well as retaliation. The EEOC filed suit in U.S. District Court for the Western District of New York, EOC versus Staffing of WNY Inc. Civil action after first attempting to reach a pre-litigation settlement through its conciliation process. The EOC seeks back pay, compensatory, liquidated and punitive damages and injunctive relief.
1: The agency's litigation effort was led by trial attorneys. The EEOC stepped up and sent a clear message. The EEOC's New York District Director added, staffing companies are playing an increasingly large role in our economy. The EEOC will fight to ensure that they do not become an instrument of discrimination. The law is clear that hiring discriminatory client requests are illegal.
0: Eliminating barriers in recruitment and hiring and preserving access to the legal system by eliminating retaliation are national priorities identified by the EEOC Strategic Enforcement Plan, SEP. The EEOC's strategic enforcement plan's mission is to prevent and remedy unlawful employment discrimination and advance equal opportunity for all in the workplace, bringing its realization the Commission's vision of respectful and inclusive workplaces by pursuing the following strategic objectives and outcome goals combating and preventing employment discrimination through the strategic application of EEOC's law enforcement authorities.
1: The goals are discriminatory employment practices are stopped and remedied, and victims of discrimination receive meaningful relief, and enforcement authorities are exercised fairly and efficiently based on the circumstances of each charge or complaint. The corresponding outcome goals are members of the public understanding the employment discrimination laws and knowing their rights and responsibilities under these laws, and employers, unions, and employment agencies covered entities preventing discrimination, effectively addressing EEOC issues, and supporting more inclusive workplaces. The corresponding outcome goals are building a culture of respect and accountability, resources aligning with priorities to strengthen outreach, education, enforcement, and service to the public, presenting clear and realistic strategies for achieving each goal and identifying 12 performance measures with yearly targets to track the EEOC's progress as it approaches the fiscal year 2022. Earlier we made mention of the EEOC's mission you are listening to Title Seven: the movement, hashtag the right to sue. These were our takeaways. In the 1960s, Americans who knew only the potential of equal protection of the laws expected the President, the Congress, and the courts to fulfill the promise of the 14th Amendment. In response, all three branches of the federal government, as well as the public at large, debated a fundamental constitutional question. Does the Constitution's prohibition of denying equal protection always banned the use of racial, ethnic, or gender criteria in an attempt to bring social justice and social benefits. In 1964, Congress passed Public Law 88-352-78 Statute 241, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, prohibiting discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. Provision of the Civil Rights Act forbade discrimination on the basis of sex, as well as race, in hiring, promoting, and firing. The act prohibited discrimination in public accommodations and federally funded programs. It also strengthened the enforcement of voting rights and the desegregation of schools. These were our takeaways. You've been listening to Title Seven, The Movement, hashtag RightToSue. We solicit callers from our listening audience Anyone who feels that they have in some way experienced workplace discrimination in whatever capacity, accuser or accused, individual or management personnel, past, present, or future. If you have a compelling situation or think you have a potential case or have received the right to sue, we invite you to tune in on air, share your experience, and join the Title VII movement. Hashtag the right to sue.
0: Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and make sure you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also reach us at RWTV2020 at gmail.com or WTV2020 at gmail.com.